Hello and welcome back to Half Damage. New Year say me, baby, I'm perfect as is. Let's see what our heroes were up to previously. After organizing yourselves uh, in the wee rowboat, get out into the open waters. You see a circular clearing of fog in the middle of the lake. In its center, there's another boat, in which is seated an old man who is fishing. What's your name? I don't know. I get my fishing rod out. Are you catching the swimmies? I look into the water. Is there anything? You feel the boat being shunted to the side as something slaps against it. The swimmies! The swimmies! The swimmies! Hey, what do you do with the swimmies when you find them? Well, I'm gonna need their dang teeth. I would like everyone to roll initiative. And here we go. As these two big old water snakes break the surface and loom above you with big old pointy teeth. I cast Scorching Ray. Just gonna hit that over and over again. You all suddenly feel the boat. It's a rockin'. Can everyone please make a strength check? Nine. That one. Poncho and sorry, you're in the drink. We established we don't think either of you can swim. I would like to take the fishing rod and try to catch Poncho. I just try to get back into the boat using the fishing line then. Sorry seems to be going further down in the water. Gonna unhook from Poncho and she's gonna try to hook Sorry. Calling my sorry ass in. As this thing starts to sink under the water, you hear the old man go, the teethies! I'm removing teeth. Why do you want the teeth? I need to give them to the hags for trades and stuff. Come with us to the hags and we can claim the teeth together. But I need to prepare it first. I guess we'll come back. You reach the opposite shore, emerging from the fog and pulling the boat onto the muddy ground. She just points off into the woods in the direction she saw the footprints going off in. We have anything else we want to fuck around with? Poncho, we going? Onwards, friends, into the forest. Leaving behind the shores of the Lake Baratok, the heroes enter the Slavich woods once again. The trees press close, bending and swaying in a wind that no one can feel. The usually gloomy skies of Barovia disappear entirely, leaving only darkness, with the promise of creatures using its cover. The further in the heroes press, the more often they can hear the telltale signs of wolves, growls just within earshot, eyes flashing in the gloom. But as soon as they're there, they're gone. By the sound of it, there are more than enough to attack but they seem to leave our heroes be. They're in the heart of it now, walking to the mercy of the creatures that changed life as they knew it not very long ago. So sorry, first up, what were you doing in Willow Weep before the werewolves attacked? Sorry is in the little kitchen space that she has, and I think her moms are there with her, and she's working on a new recipe that they've been waiting to teach her for a while. Um, it's kind of her coming of age moment, like they've they're really starting to believe in her business. Oh, they're going to teach her uh, how to make their special boysenberry scones for the first time. Ah, yeah, and this is her first real attempt at making scones. Oh, this is the. Uh, you're, you're doing this in your, like, uh, house kitchen, yes? Yeah, in my house kitchen. So the cafe. Tell us a little bit about, y- about your moms. Uh, so there's Garnish and Perennia. And Garnish is the one who is really big into the cooking, and her mom Perennia is really into gardening. <laughs> and their relationship <laughs> yeah, is built yeah. on... <laughs> <laughs> you know, big surprise. I, like, never would have been able to guess. Like, not a part of me would have known. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and much of their relationship is built on, you know, Perennia grows the things that's needed for Garnisha's kitchen. Aww. And they're they're kind of quiet. How did that work? I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Perennia is a little bit more uh, headstrong, and Garnish is a little bit more on the reserved side. But uh, Sari's always been told that, you know, before she was born, that they were very gregarious in a very lovely and sweet way. But um, after she was born, they kind of became a little bit more reserved and she never really learned why. But they've always supported her pursuits and cooking, although Perennia wishes that she liked being more of a green thumb. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry wishes that she could garden, but she oh, she's not patient enough for that. It's hard enough for her to wait for for the yeast to rise. <laughs> she she can't wait for a whole garden to grow. For Perennia, she I think is a little bit more rugged around the edges. She gardens a lot. She wears like big muddy boots that she always forgets to clink the mud off of. And I think she's kind of uh, a star stockier uh, gnome like cool. really cute <laughs> really cute has muscles yeah. sort of a thing um, and wears her hair in like deep braids and then Garnish is a little bit more flows through the kitchen probably the more outwardly maternal she's a little bit softer and loves to put extra sugar in recipes that she probably shouldn't they're both very warm Perennia is warm and like a dad sensibility <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it, it kind of like will ruffle your hair kind of sense instead of yeah. like a wipe the smuts off your face. <laughs> so they're in the kitchen and uh, her one mom, Garnish, is pulling out a giant cookbook that is, it's like a tome and she even has to like blow a little bit of dust off to see it. And it's this beautiful leather bound ancient thing that she plops on the table, but she already knows exactly which page to turn to. Yeah, so, yeah, you guys have set today aside. It, it's one of those days that, you know, it's not going to be super busy at the cafe. It's, it's one of, like, the kind of weekdays where you're like, eh, I can I can let it kind of run today. You did all of your things yesterday. You went in early and made your fresh, your fresh batches of everything. And, like, Camilla's holding down the fort for now. So that's why you've got, like, a nice day, a nice day with you and your parents. Yeah, they're teaching me how to make scones for the first time. <gasps> oh, wait. Oh, shit. So she's like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. Emily, oh, no. This is after Winter Song. You've made scones before. Oh, no, wait. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, oh no. no. Wait, oh, no. no. Damn it, I forgot. <laughs> no. Uh, okay, 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 okay. Like, maybe they, they could maybe be teaching you, like, a special scone recipe that, like, you've never tried before. <gasps> oh, yeah, and maybe it includes a little bit of magic to make. Ooh, I do like that. Like, like this is her first time baking with magic. Well, yeah, like, get, get that bardic cooking going, baby. Baby. Your first, like, inspirational cooking thing. Yeah, they're, they're just gonna teach me to, like, be with the spirits of the cooking and the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> like, do, do you think that um, either of your parents have, like, any bardic abilities? Or is this just kind of something that Sari was able to manifest within herself? Um, I think the route I would go is that I think Garnish and Perennia both used to use magic quite a bit with their respective mm -hmm. hobbies. Perennia used to use it with her garden a lot to fast track some of the growing and to, you know, maybe make a special more tart cherry, like to manipulate yeah. some of the flavors a little bit more. And Garnish used it to be able to just make 
multiple things at the same time, kind of like a Molly Weasley sort of thing. <laughs> yes, um, good. And I think as they've gotten older, because they have like a, a kind of a tragic backstory that I just kind of alluded to. But um, when they made their way back to Willow Weep, that's kind of when their personalities changed. And I think that's when it became harder for them to really grasp the magic that they had before. And they kind of decided to wean off of it like, okay, if we can't really make this happen, we're just going to go back to our roots. But Sari, on the other hand, has always just had this innate electricity about the magic that she has. And so yeah. the moment that they're teaching her how to make these scones, they both decide to try to recapture some of the magic they've had to teach her, like, the old family traditions. Oh, I like that a lot. Okay, cool. I, I also very much like the idea of these two that have kind of settled down from using magic, like... Like, yeah, like the kind of way that Molly Weasley does in Harry Potter when she's just like, all right, we're just going to set things on the stove. It's fine. Set it and forget it kind of thing uh, to being very <laughs> practical. But then having this like innate magic baby around that was like, oh, God, the things are flying again. God, freaking frack it. <laughs> Maybe we could use some magic to change her diaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so you guys are all standing around the kitchen, getting everything together. And you can see both of them look pretty excited for this. Though you, you you know your parents' kind of traits by this point in life. And Perennia is very much like, you can see she's got like a little bit of like a, oh God, this can go so bad. It can go so bad face that every so often <laughs> slips out. Um, whereas Garnish is smiling a little too much and her eyes are a little too bright. And you're like, yep, yeah, no, she's also, she also thinks that this might go very badly. <laughs> yeah. And sorry, is just bridled with excited energy and a little nervous that she's going to fuck up but that's definitely overshadowed by i'm gonna do a magic baking today <laughs> who gives a shit about if it's gonna fuck up real bad there's gonna be magic in that baking baby <laughs> so yeah garnish takes down the big tome like book and puts it on the table and like gets all the dust off of it and everything flicks a couple of pages and is like okay i believe in you sweetie and really uh, the best thing that you can do is just believe in yourself and uh, everything will work out just fine, okay? Oh, oh, yeah, totally, Mom. I, I know this for sure. And she kind of... <laughs> did you ever see uh, the Mission Impossible with Henry Cavill in it where he reloads his arms? <laughs> I think Sorry reloads her no. arms. <laughs> you, you should look it up. I'm like, I don't know if I want to because I'm imagining something in my head and I want that to be what it is, you know? <laughs> Yeah, just about to punch someone, but ha feels the need to just, like, reload them before he's going to do another punch. So Sari kind of does the same thing, but she's, like, ready to do a baking. Like, she's warming up her magic. <laughs> yeah, so she, she gets out all, all of the ingredients. And what kind of baker is she? Is she a more, like, everything in its place and knows exactly where everything is baker? Or is she, like, a more, sorry, what we'll just say, flying around the room in, like, a cloud of flour? <laughs> She thinks that she's very organized. Uh, if you ask her, she'll be like, oh, yeah, everything's in that cabinet, but it won't be. <laughs> she's the mom who's like, oh, somebody moved it. And then she finds exactly where it is. <laughs> you see, like, the regular fare of ingredients. Like, it, none of the things on the table look like they should be magic-based. Like, there's not any, like, Ian Newt kind of a tub of magic sparkles as you kind of are a little bit hoping there will be. It's just, like, your regular sort of things. And then Ismay looks up how to make scones. <laughs> 
Uh, so yeah, she she puts out all of the ingredients around for you and just starts kind of directing you. It's again, it's that kind of thing that happens like when you are an adult person, but your mom still is like, okay, here's how you do it. And you're like, okay, I do know how to do it, but I'm not going to backsass my mom right now. So. <laughs> so yeah, she does like little things like when she's asking you to crack the eggs, she's just like, if you want to get any shells out, if you leave any shells in, you have to get a little bit of like a dry hand in there, okay? Oh, okay. Like, I haven't done this before, mom, but okay, I, I'll trust you. <laughs> And I do it <laughs> with uh, a little bit of pizzazz. Ooh, what's the pizzazz? I just keep on referencing things in Aladdin <laughs> when he like has the yes. apple kind of go over his arms. Oh she, yeah, yeah, yeah. She does the flip, and then the egg goes over her shoulders across her arms, and then she cracks it. Ooh, uh, can you maybe like a little performance check? Uh sure. Uh, 16. Yeah, so I think when you're doing that, like, you're showing off and, like, in your upbringing, when you've been, like, your little show-off self, they're normally like, eh, do what, like, you be your best self. But you can kind of, you you see them kind of exchange looks and you see Perenia, like, nudge Garnish and point towards the things that you're doing. And, like, I'm assuming that you're doing the apple maneuver to an egg because why not? Yeah. <laughs> they roll. <laughs> I, I, I make sure it doesn't like do the tumble. Uh, it just rolls on yeah. the on the flat side, not the flat <laughs> side. You know, the flatter round side, not the oval bit. Yeah, yeah, the flat the flat part of the egg. Yeah, yeah. When you kind of notice them watching, you can kind of see during you doing like these little flips and tricks and everything, just like a little bit of a glow around everything that you're doing, and you just kind of feel that this is different. And it, it's weird because they've not really explicitly told you how to do anything. Like, they've not been like, you do the magic words, you can say bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, and then it's a magic dinner kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You can kind of feel that because they've just set the atmosphere up, you feel it really without them having to do much for you. I think as... As she sees us and as you go, Garnish gets into the swing of it as well. And yeah, she's not as much of like a whirlwind as you are like in the kitchen, but you can see her getting a bit whirlwindy with it. There's like a time when she needs to put a little bit more flour in, like the mixture isn't quite right. And instead of just like putting it in a measuring cup and putting it in, you can see a wind that she blows that she's able to like get the exact right amount of flour in the pot and stir it around with a flick of her wrist instead of actually putting spoon to mixture. You can see the same kind of glow about her as well, that it's not so much in what she's saying or doing, it's just something that's able to flow through her. You can feel it all, all around the room. It's a kind of like tingly feeling. You roll everything out, you cut all the shapes out, and you like put it all in the oven and uh, set it and do like a set it and, well, don't forget it because it will burn. <laughs> but like, they put like a little egg timer on and kind of lean back against the countertop and Perennia, whose voice I haven't done yet, and so now I am gonna say that it's where Sari gets her voice. Uh, Perennia <laughs> looks at you and goes, Well, how'd it feel, kid? Uh, it, well, um, I, I like it. I don't know if it made anything easier, um, but I don't know. It, it just felt right. And I smile. Peredia crosses her arms. Well, it's not always about being easier. Like, a lot of the time, it's it doesn't really do much until, I don't know, you're biting into a scone in a time of dire need. 
and everything just gets a little bit better, you know? Yeah. I don't know what kind of dire need you need a scone for, but... Sometimes they get really, really hungry, so... Hungry, yep. And, yep, yep, yep. I mean, our family gets a little angry when we're hungry, so I think at least that way I'd be able to coax some of that a little bit down. I do not recall ever being angry when I'm hungry. I, I, I am a bastion of good feelings. <laughs> Sorry, just kind of looks over, <laughs> looks over to, to Perennia and is like, like, all right. And Sorry smiles. Gertie just like rolls her eyes and is like, okay, well, uh, we have some time to kill. How about a game of cards? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, sh- sure, mom. But uh, can I ask you something? Uh, of course, sweetie. Okay. Uh, sorry, kind of fiddles with her fingers a little bit and scratches her nose and looks over to her mom kind of goes i i really enjoyed you know using magic to bake the scones a little bit but um why why don't we do that more often they they look at each other um and there there's like a little uncomfortable silence Perennia seems to be mulling it over, whereas Garnish is looking everywhere except for you. She's just like everything in the world is just a little bit more interesting and needs her attention right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably Perennia that goes like, well, uh, sometimes, sometimes things aren't always easier with magic. Sometimes it can, uh, break a little bad. We thought, you know, when you were, like, a little kid, probably better to be safe than sorry, and so, well, <laughs> better to be safe with sorry, I guess. <laughs> but you're, uh, you're growing up now, kid, and, uh, it's probably also a bit safer to, uh, channel the magic instead of just letting it go by the wayside, you know? Yeah, I, I suppose that makes sense. I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. it. It was like just being around you, and she looks at her hands and goes... I don't know. It's I, I definitely understand the chaotic bit you were afraid of. Um, I accidentally almost took out an eye of uh, <laughs> someone's cat the other day. Sorry, you, you what now? Oh, nothing, <laughs> Mom. Uh, but anyway. Uh, uh, well. <laughs> it, it just felt like it came a lot easier this time. And like I wasn't afraid of it. I, it just felt good. Like I like making scones and I like being with you guys. And I just hope we can do it more often now. I think as you're talking about it coming easier to you and wanting to do it a bit more, Gertie's, yeah, looks out the window and is like, oh, I think, I think, uh, someone, uh, is, uh, coming to the door. I'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll go see to that. And bustles herself out of the room and Pareto gives, like, a kind of deep sigh and comes over to you a little bit and, like, puts her hand on your arm and goes, uh, your, your mom's still a little, uh, a little touchy about magic, sweetie, um. It's good that you're not scared of it, but there's a lot of people who can't handle it, you know? And there's a lot of people that go a, a little bit overboard with the whole uh, endless power at your fingertips kind of thing. And I'm not saying that uh, I think that that's going to be you or your, your, your mom thinks that that's going to be you, but it still makes her a little antsy, okay? So... Maybe at least for a little while. Maybe this is just an every so often kind of thing, okay? Uh, uh, sorry, kind of ducks her head a little bit. Uh, and she does a weak side smile and goes, Yeah, yeah, I can, I can do that. She, she, she likes that I use magic though, right? Likes is a strong word. She knows that it's unavoidable and 
I think that she just needs a little bit of time, okay? Okay. And you know what? If these codes come out as good as I think they're gonna, then maybe they'll hurry off the process a little. (laughs) Ah, well, you know, if there's any way to get to the heart of our family, it's through good food. And I nudge her in the belly a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) She goes, uh, excuse you, that is my belly maker. Please do not. Please do not squish the important goods. And then, sorry, pokes her own belly and goes, oh, I know. <laughs> she like goes over and pokes your belly again. <laughs> She's like, you got my belly, kid. You're just going to have to deal with it. We got very, we got good, strong bellies. They're made for eating sugary snacks. It is the survival of the fittest and we can eat as much as we want. And I do a victory <laughs> hands in the air and I smile again. And I think maybe a few little bits of magic like spurt out of my fingertips <laughs> And then I'm like, oh, oops. And I just kind of hold my tummy and I smile. She like gets one of the spoons that you guys were using to mix the batter. And it's got, I don't know if scone batter is any good, but in my head, it's like cookie batter and therefore delicious and amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she holds it, then she licks one side of it and then holds it out to you and goes, don't worry, kid. You can see some, like, a little glowy around the spoon, and you see that the scone batter amount doubles in size uh, as she hands it over. And I just encompass the spoon with my whole mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I think that it's probably about this point that two things happen in very, very quick succession. The first is that you hear a loud clanging of bells outside, Uh, starting with one and then kind of growing across the town. Uh, And before you can even really register what's happening or what it means, you see as Garnish runs back into the room and like slams the door closed with a panicked look. She doesn't seem to be able to say anything for a couple of moments. And it's in those moments that you realize that these are the bells that you've only really heard before in like preparation tests throughout the town but now they are louder and more insistent and just as you begin to wonder why these warning bells are ringing you hear the first cry of werewolves from outside Hello there, nerds, and welcome to the middle of the podcast break chat with your host and DM Ismay. Uh, oh God, I hope you enjoyed this episode because uh, I have been <laughs> thinking about this one since I think the third recording session that the five of us ever did. So uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know, I guess I, I hope the ending does my brainchild justice that I, you know, have been thinking about all these years, I'll let you get to that and decide for yourself. So yeah, uh, I hope that you enjoy this episode. I hope that you enjoyed our our little trip back to Wintersong uh, last week as well. That was so much fun. Thank you to all of the cast of Crit Chat that came back to do that. Uh, it was such a fun little time. Uh, this one is uh, tragic and sad. Uh, so it was nice to have like a little break and go back into the fun little Wintersong magic time. So thank you to Kai, Sarah, Owen, and Adam for doing last week. It was a whole bundle of fun, and I hope you all enjoyed it too. I want to let you get back to the episode, so I'm going to just rattle through all the things that we got to do. If you do not know, uh, Half Damage is a Crit Chat production. 
Fiction. We all met on Crit Chat. Crit Chat is a D&D advice and comedy podcast. Uh, it's a place that you will find the people that were on the show last week and all of these beautiful folk that are here every week. Uh, it's really good. It's really fun. It's got uh, like a whole bunch of things to help you make your D&D games better, help you improve in your D&D skills, and also just letting you know a little bit about like the lore of D&D and where it all came from and all that good shit. So if you want to find that, you can go and find it on Crit Chat, wherever you listen to podcasts. We also share all of our social media with Crit Chat. So if you want to find us over here at Half Damage and all of the people over at Crit Chat, you can do that at facebook.com forward slash Crit Chat, all one word, on twitter.com forward slash Crit underscore chat, or in the Discord where the link is down in the description. We don't pay to advertise the show, so these are the only places that you can like share them around from so that other people come and listen to us. And I think you should do that because it's a, it's a very good, it's a good podcast. I'm, I work very hard on it. Please, please tell people that we exist. Thank you. If you want to help us out in a money's way, which helps like, you know, improve everyone's setup and all that good shit, um, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash crit chat, all one word, and do that there. You can donate at a lot of different levels per month from as little as a dollar to all the way up to fucking, I don't know, however fucking much you want to give us. Uh, <laughs> any little helps. And it's honestly like, I know that a lot of people say that, but even a dollar a month genuinely goes so far into really helping us kind of improve things around here. If you want to get involved in the show a little bit more, we've not done them for a little bit, um, but you can send fan mail to the cast of Half Damage. It's a fun little thing where in the game, the letters from uh, the watchers of the Curse of Strahd show, send them like fan mail and be like, hey, I like you in the show. Uh, and if you want uh, to do that and do like a little in-fiction Thing being like, I love your character, your character is great, you're amazing, wonderful, and perfect, then you can go ahead and do that. If you want to do it, you can send it over to critchatpodcast at gmail.com and have your letters read out on the show. It's always a lot of fun when we do it and we appreciate it so much and it helps build the world a little bit more. Okay, I'm gonna let you go now, gonna let you go back into Barovia so we can do another little set of flashbacks afterwards. Uh, and yeah, I hope that you enjoy the ending that I'm terrified about. Okay, goodbye! Continuing on their way deeper into the woods, the silence feels louder than any amount of growling or snapping of twigs ever could. Poncho and Camilla look to each other, knowing all too well what silence could mean. We flash back to Willow Weep once more, the cry of the warning bells in town joined by screams and the slamming of doors as people barricade their homes, and in the half-and-half -half cafe there are only two remaining inside the walls. What was your guys' initial reaction? I think we'll start with Camilla. So, Camilla, what was your initial reaction to when all the bells went off, signaling that there were werewolves within your midst? I think it was an involuntary response, and I think she just ran. I think she probably ran um, to the kitchen. There's probably a spot by the stove, maybe a little stool that she, like, always sits at while waiting for things to cook or waiting for things to boil. And she just kind of sat on it and huddled. And, you know, just kind of shut down. Not that she didn't want yeah. to help, not that she didn't want to do something, but that her brain just shut off. Like, oh yeah. God, it's happening. You know, just trying to start it to pray. Yeah. Probably within within your lifetime, the, the bells in Willow Weep haven't really gone off. Like, they, they had had kind of tests in the past just so people would know if the bells go off, this is what they sound like. And it means kind of duck and cover. Um, but this is the first time that you've actually heard them 
for real, and they are a lot louder and a lot more insistent than they ever were in the test days. Uh, so yeah, and paired with a lot more screaming, so it's a little a little scary. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Poncho, what about what about you? Um, so I'm upstairs, like running around and gathering things. I don't know if probably maybe if Camilla is trying to have like a moment of peace she can probably hear like like there's there's the yeah. big there's the big bells outside but yeah. then there's also like random like she can she can hear like this irritating like and like and just like different like different like random like tinker alarms like kind of like making their own noises and also the sound of me like thumping around yeah like cool yeah when you're you're trying to kind of like retreat into yourself and like pray to Baldre and like shut out the sounds from outside those weirdly like fade first and then it fades in this kind of other noises that they didn't warn you about during (laughs) uh, the training days uh, that seem to be like thumping above your head in the room where the the kind of crazy old man lives uh so yeah so we're we're back in time and this is far before a lot of things what is what is your kind of like relationship to one another i guess this is a good question. I'm curious. I can't decide if I know your name or not. <laughs> yeah, it's... we've probably seen each other around a lot. Canonically, this is after um, the Winter Song episode, which isn't oh. to say that you okay. do know each other's names. You might have just gone on this adventure not knowing each other, really. Like you already kind of know each other, but as it stands, it's still pretty much like the, the, there's an old dude that lives upstairs that eats the cookies every mm-hmm. so often, I, I, um, and there is the more reclusive of the owners. So that's so funny because that was the first thing that I thought is Camilla probably knows his normal like tea and cookie order, you know, or tea and biscuit, yeah. you know, she knows what he's going to come downstairs and order generally. Yeah. But which might change with Poncho, who knows? She might have an idea of the range of what he's going to come down and order more than she knows who he is. Like he's yeah. he's more of a regular than a friend or an acquaintance. Um, it, it would be the same thing all the time, and she would probably know. Yeah, yeah. It, like yeah. something something like an OT, something oat oat based, something yeah, like wholesome but sweet, <laughs> flapjackish. Mm. But yeah, so you guys you guys haven't had like a lot of just like you're not you're not best friends. You are just kind of more 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 of like a business relationship, if anything. And also knowing Pancho's eclectic knowledge background, I feel like she knows that he appreciates the food. So like, I feel like bonding over food is a way to bond. So I feel like there's, there's, maybe it's a closer kinship than just the regular, but it's not any further than Mm. that. What are you up to, Camilla? No, now that everything is banging around upstairs. So having, without like getting too dramatic with having been in a couple of emergency situations myself, like quick guys call 911. uh, The first one I was ever in, I couldn't move. Like, I physically couldn't, didn't matter what was happening around me, didn't matter that I needed to do something, I physically couldn't move. And it took that first emergency situation and learning through that one to be able to shut that response down, to be able to respond to the next couple. I feel like she would, like, almost, she's perched on this stool, like, knees to chest. Yeah. Like, hunched in on herself. So, yeah, in that case, that yeah, you, you just, you, you'll just hear, like, the thumping around more. And then there's, like, uh, yeah, the, the the dumb alarms are still going off, but then uh, a, f- a few moments pass, and then you hear, like, a dum 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 down the stairs, uh, <laughs> as, and uh, the door, like, slams open, and I, like, roll out. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, just, like, in a ball of, like, fluffy-haired fuzz. Yeah. I have, tongs. like, a bag that's, like, caught on my foot and I'm like untangling myself <laughs> and standing up. 
And yeah, like I probably come, I, I come around. Yeah, no, I, I'm imagining it like I can't see Camilla because she's around the corner. But I like come out mm. of the door and I like look left to right, and then I like run around the corner and like run to like a tray of <laughs> the biscuits that I have. Like I like grab one, and then I notice that um, Camilla's just sat there, and I like pause for a sec. I look at you. Uh, are, what are you? Hello. Hi. Uh, Hi. Put a cookie in. Uh, are you <laughs> just slowly stealing them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. Supplies. Are we? Are we? Are you? What? What? What's? What's going on? Are you? The, the, are you? Are you? You're gonna. The, the the bells are going off. That's right. right? Yep. That's you're, yeah. You're do, you you you're getting it. You got it. Uh, come on. We got a the bells going off, and that means we step outside. I. Okay. Uh, uh, wait. What? Cookie two. <laughs> uh, we gotta. We gotta. We gotta get up. When the bells go off, we get up. Okay, okay. I don't. I don't. But what? What if I can't help? What? We, I mean, there is no. You can. I. Uh, I put. I like. I. I put my bag down. Um. Yeah. I mean. I. Yeah. I put. I put my hands on my hips and I like look around the cafe for a moment. Look at um Camilla and I'm like. I mean, you. You. I mean, you run a. You run a cafe, right? You deal with customers. <laughs> this is not. You can. <laughs> I. <is> easy. You. <laughs> There, there's definitely maybe it's not that full you body. Get, <laughs> there's definitely a laugh from Camilla. You, you get it. It's look. We can. There is no. You can't. I, I cannot imagine that you would be unhelpful, right? Like you can definitely do things, and you run this place partly. <laughs> we got a. What about your friend? Your friend who runs this oh, place with my, you? She's out there somewhere. Oh, oh my god. Come on, we gotta we gotta stand up and we gotta find we gotta just go to her. That's all we're gonna do. We're just gonna Okay. You just you're not gonna you're not gonna you don't have to think about everything okay. going on. You're just gonna stand up, we're gonna run to to your friend. What? <laughs> just don't know what her okay. I just And we're gonna find her. <laughs> I don't know if I can find her in this. I don't know I I this place runs because we run it together. Yep, and we but but that's okay. We're gonna we we have I mean she isn't in here. So we're gonna have to go out there. Look, I put my hands on your shoulders. So. Can you do this might be a stretch. I can't remember. Do you can you do can you do any kind of magic? I I Because I can do magic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I told you this or not. She just looks up at him and is like, Oh I, I think I can, but I've never, never used it to. I never. Wanna, do you have anything? Do you have anything for me right now? Come on, let's trade. Let's let's. We, we can help each other out right now without even leaving the house. Come on. <laughs> I I like do a a cast of you know magic shielding <laughs> guidance touch. <laughs> a magic shielding guidance touch. You know. Yes. Yeah, you know that level spell. level one. <laughs> I, Classic poncho spell. D&D level 5th edition spell. And, and the Wizards of the Coast assigned Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've really only made people feel better before. And I get the feeling that that's not all I'm going to have to do. Mm. So the answer is yes, but I don't know how to apply it to this situation. There are going to be so many people who need you to help them feel better. Like that. That's I. I promise that you will figure it out, and I'm. I will be right next to you the whole time. Okay. I think at this point, Camilla just looks into Pancho's face and realizes that he means it. Like this isn't just like get off the stool and do something. This is I will be next to you, and this is going to have to happen. And uh, as you're having that moment, I I pull a cookie out and I'm like, 
Have a cookie. <laughs> have um, one of your cookies. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I think uh, she's she stands up at that point and just kind of. I think at this point she's wearing she's wearing a long skirt. I don't think she's like wearing yeah. the most practical thing for running into no. battle. And she kind of dusts off the front of it and accepts the cookie with like kind of half smile and is visibly shaking and just goes, "Oh, okay." Okay, why not, right? Let's do this. Now you're getting it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, reaches to the stove and picks up the teapot that's probably half full of lukewarm water at this point and just walks over <laughs> to Poncho and just goes, okay, let's go. <laughs> Are you just holding a kettle? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> that's great. I love it. I look at the kettle and then I look back at you. And I look at the kettle and I'm like... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can't. I can't do anything without without this. No, no, no it's cool. I, 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 I mean, I I, yeah, I, I, I can't do anything without a cup of Joe either. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, let's go. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that Poncho's just like, all right, you fucking weirdo, like, come with me and my 5,000, like, bat wings and, like, <laughs> like chicken anuses. This is what magic is. <laughs> this is what magic is. Chicken anuses. Yeah, what like, I pull, yeah, I, pull, yeah, I pull out, like, a live insect and just, like, bam, and then, like, cast a spell that I'm like, let's go <laughs> with your cattle. Uh, but, yeah. Having gathered yourselves up to face what lies outside, you give, like, one last quick look at each other and push outside, and you're met with complete silence. In the short space of amount of time that it took for you to have this conversation, the streets of Willoweep are now completely silent and completely empty. The amount of barricaded doors seem to be equal to the amount that are just torn open and hanging off the hinges. You don't really have much of an idea what to do until a low growl cuts through the silence. You watch as a werewolf raised up on its hind legs slowly emerges from the broken door of a neighbor's house, blood falling down to its chest, and there's a pause that feels like an hour in a handful of seconds, and then it pounces. A growl closer than before snaps the heroes out of their shared memory, back to the present where they still stalk through the Slavic woods. Fang, you're the first to see one of the werewolves, standing full and upright in front of your path. Its hackles are raised and staring into your eyes with a low growl. Yeah, my hackles are fucking raised too. <laughs> I've raised those hackles. Roll to raise hackles. <laughs> roll, roll for those hackles uh, to be raised. It's only a three. Your hackles remain unraised. Damn it. As soon as it sees that you've noticed it, it starts just bolting away from you. I just bolt after it, yeah. What? Sword and shield out, just full wait, full tilt running. Fang? Fang! Fang! I, uh, wait, uh, wait! I mean, like, I, guess I cast haste on Fang, I guess. Uh, Radical? Yeah, Poncho. Fang is now hasted, and it's very fast. So she runs away faster. This was, <laughs> this was a bad idea! She did run away faster now. I like to imagine everyone calls out as she's running, like, no, stop, Fang, don't do it. But, like, she's yeah, oh, faster yeah. than everyone, so they can't actually stop yeah, her. So Poncho's like, all right, I might as well try to help. Yeah, <laughs> that's 100% what happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I cast that, and I'm just running after Fang. I guess. Yeah, I think I do the same thing. I'd um, try to bless the three 
of them. You sprint in pursuit of the wolf, the branches whipping in front of your face as you're transported back to running through the woods of Willow Weep. Your mom just ahead, then further still as your dad stands blocking the door as your mom rushes around the house, warning bells just beyond the walls. So I think first off, what are your parents like? Uh... Fang's uh, father, uh, Seymour Quickwit. He's sort of a calm, quiet, uh, bookish man. Uh, they have oh, a- so that's where Fang gets it all from. Yeah, yeah. yeah she takes after him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, he- he's short, even for a halfling. Uh, sort of messy, dark hair, green eyes, little gold spectacles. He uh, he also tends this like nice little garden in front of their place with a nice little white picket fence. These beautiful flowers. Her mother, Kathy Earthskip, is a retired adventurer. Uh, She uh, retired after meeting Seymour on her last adventure, settling down in Willow Weep with him. She is sort of a hunter for the village. Uh, She, like, you know, if there's wolves bothering the village or uh, they need some extra food or something, she'll she'll go and... uh, Go and track it down. She's a good, uh, a good hunter, a good tracker. Um, eventually, as uh, Fang grew up, she sort of showed more of an interest in her mother's outings than uh, the books her father <laughs> was trying to read her. So her mom not sort the, of not the white picket fence girl. Yeah, no, not really. She her she'd always get in trouble for like rattling a stick along it and scraping the paint. Um, but then she'd trick other kids into painting it for her, like Tom Sawyer. No, she didn't. She's not that. She's not that smart. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, she sort of learned how to hunt and survive in the wild from her mother, uh, but her mom refused to teach her how to fight, so Fang is sort of uh, self-taught in that. Okay, so yeah, so it was her mom where she got her kind of like barbarian yeah. uh, ancestry yeah, from? Yeah, definitely. It's... Not, not from, not from old yeah, Seymour? Yeah, her, her ancestors who come to, to help her are the, the ancestors of the Earth Clan. Uh, they're all famed warriors. Um, I don't have any of their any of their names or anything. Uh, I don't think, and honestly, <laughs> I don't think Fang knows their names because her That's her mom fair. just straight up didn't tell her about it in the hopes that like it would skip a generation, but it didn't. <laughs> Not so <No>. much. <laughs> I think that at this particular moment of time, the very kind of reserved bookish Seymour that you know kind of has fallen a bit to the wayside and you've got the not often present but right now very present more authoritarian Mm -hmm. figure Mm -hmm. dad as he's just kind of like barricading the door as your mother just rushes around the house how do you envision that everyone kind of responded as the bells went Um, off fang fang would have been outside chopping wood as uh, her latest punishment. As teenage girls do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just girly things. Yeah, you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, so Fang, Fang would have been outside chopping wood when the, the bells went off, um, mm-hmm. at which point her, her mom and dad would have, would have come outside and, like, ushered her back in. So I think she's she's just kind of standing there while her father barricades the door and her mom runs around like, well, she's probably not running around. I think she went to like a very specific locked chest under her bed and like brushes the dust off it and unlocks it and inside is like her old adventuring gear. So she like yeah. slaps on some armor, throws on a helmet, like picks up her old axe and, and uh, you know, hefts it a little bit in her hand before uh, heading out the door. She is uh, 100% looking to leave this house as your father does everything he can to stop that. You are very much not, I would, I was going to say caught in the middle, but that's not really right. You're kind of more to the wayside. Yeah, yeah. she's trying to like stay out of the way because she's not really sure what to do. Yeah, it's very much, you might as well at this precise moment 
not be in the room mm -hmm. as they are having an argument like you have not really heard them have before. Yeah. As your mom 100% is committed to going outside and your father is trying to make that not happen and knowing all the while that, you know, his big burly wife can probably rip that shit off in three <laughs> seconds flat. Yeah, he, he like he's he is fighting a losing battle and he knows that <laughs> for sure. Between him vaguely searching for nails to hammer boards across it, you can hear him go, Kathy, you can't go. You've got a child. You have you can't just leave. This is what you're doing now. You have to be here with us. And your mother, who guess where the we got the familial voice from, baby? Seymour, <laughs> I can't do that. There's going to be people in danger, and if I am not out there, then more people are going to die. It's not just about us and our little family. We've made a community here, and I'm not just going to let them all get killed while I sit by and do nothing. So, please, my love, move the fuck aside. <laughs> It goes back and forth like this for a little while, as your mother takes a long time to don armor. Because have you read the fucking armor donning rules? They yeah. suck. Well, actually, no, she's a barbarian, so she, she wouldn't be wearing armor. Never mind. She just takes off her shirt and she's ready. Yeah. <laughs> I think she, like, she has, like, a magic helmet or something. Oh, yeah. She puts on a little magic helmet. She takes off her shirt because she's like, shirts are bullshit. <laughs> I've always hated doing it. I have to be polite and in proper society. Fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love that, like, that when she was an adventurer, that was her thing. Like, whenever she ran into combat, the first thing she did was, like, tear her shirt off like the Hulk. Yeah, and people yeah, would yeah. just be, like, so confused she'd get an attack in before they could do anything. Oh. So it's just this screaming halfling surrounded by these dark spirits shirtless tearing ass towards you i love her <laughs> yeah this is 100 percent the visual i was like yeah so instead yeah she's probably while the conversation is happening just sharpening her axe because it's not it, mm -hmm. it's been a while i mean and this is totally on you i feel like she would have a magic axe even just like a plus one axe. Oh yeah, she definitely has yeah. like some sort of magic axe. I, I think that when she was doing all her hunting things, she diverted away from big magic yeah. axe because she's oh, like- yeah. that like this was in the, the locked <laughs> chest. She hasn't used this yeah, since yeah. she retired for sure. I, I imagine that at the very beginning when she got out of the adventuring life and was like, right, I'm going to do hunting. And then she brought it out and started like lopping off things with it. People were like, this is a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> Normally it's a bow and arrow, but you know. <laughs> she, she took like one- level in ranger when she settled down <laughs> yeah she's like barbarian 10 ranger one reluctantly reluctant so. yeah that's in brackets next to Ranger on her character sheet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Barbarian 10, enthusiastic. Ranger 1, reluctant. Like, that's the, that's the subclass. <laughs> but yeah, what is Fang doing? Um, yeah, she's she's just kind of standing there, like, a little stupefied, uh, like, still clutching the woodcutting axe in her hand. She's also dressed up like Fang from the, the Candle Knights episode we did last year, so she's, like, full goth Fang, uh, with, like, mascara yeah. and a studded <laughs> belt from Hot Topic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the hair is, like, yeah. messy, but artful yeah. messy instead of twigs I messy. I think I said she had a seed kid yeah, cut. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I, th I think she's kind of scared. Because, like, when the bell yeah. started going off, she's like, oh, okay, like, but, like, to see her parents yeah. acting like this and to see them arguing like this, that, like, that's what's scaring her. Yeah, the argument 
goes on a while, so much so that the bells have stopped ringing. You don't know, well, no, you kind of assume it's not because the threat has passed and more because there's no one to ring them. (laughs) But it takes the kind of silence of the bells before your dad just kind of realizes that he is fighting the most losing of battles and stops hammering nails into the door. (laughs) It feels like the longest time as your parents stare into each other's eyes. You feel like if this was a normal situation, you'd give like an ew mom and dad as they stare at each other and then kiss, but you can see that this is kind of different from when they give mm-hmm. a that was a great meal, honey yeah. kind of kiss. I think she's also a little stunned because like she's never seen her parents act like this. It's very quiet and you can not really catch the last thing that your dad says to your mom um, before she turns and comes over to you only really now kind of acknowledging that you're there. It's difficult for you as like a younger kid to know really what is happening with her face, but you don't, you know that this is not an expression that you've ever seen before. It's complicated and there is a lot there as she crouches down a little bit because you're just like maybe half a head shorter than her. And she like puts her hands on both sides of your face and goes, okay, sweetie, I have to go and help you understand right why can't why can't you just stay here with us sweetie you 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 know what i do what i used to do if i did nothing now the people here they they took us in and they gave us a place to live and are the nicest goddamn people and if i'm not there to help them the way that they helped us then i don't know if i can live with myself. I, I can help too. Sweetie. No, mom, mom, I, I've, I've been practicing. I, I've gotten pretty good with the axe and but please, I, 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 I can help. Like she nods like, I, I know, sweetie, and I do need you to help. She, she gives you a smile and you can see just like a film of tears over her eyes and she just leans in and goes, your dad's not that good a fighter, sweetie. You gotta, you gotta stay here and make sure that, you know, they don't get in, Okay. I think, yeah, at this point, Fang starts crying a little bit, sort of her, like, usual stoic crying, and she's like, I want to go with you, Mom. I need you here, okay, sweetie? I'll, I'll be back. Don't don't worry about it, okay? You promise? She's always been very straight with you. There's, like, the family pet died, and your dad was like, oh, yeah, he's gone to a better place. Your mom told you that we don't really know where people go when they die. <laughs> but you can see for a moment that she kind of does want to promise you that goes sweetie we don't know what's gonna happen whether we stayed inside this house or we left we don't we don't know so i i can't promise that everything's gonna be fine but i can promise you that i'm gonna do everything i fucking can to see your face again okay fang at this point like can't really meet her mom's eyes and is just kind of staring at the ground as she like nods a little bit she leans in and kisses you on the top of the head. Goes, you look after your dad, okay, sweetie? Okay, mom. It takes another moment, but she eventually lets your face go as she walks to the door and picks up her axe, slings it over her shoulder, and does everything in her power not to look back as she one-handed rips a board <laughs> off of the door and charges outside. It feels like forever. (laughs) There are a lot of times 
where you think you hear growls or you think you hear something from outside, but the only sounds that you really are able to hear are your dad shuffling around, hammering nail after nail into the door. I think at some point, like, Fang is just sort of sitting in the living room. Like, she she sort of just sat down where she was standing after her yeah. uh, mom left. Uh, so she's got, like, the axe next to her. She's just sort of staring at a wall. And yeah, like you said, her dad is just hammering nail after nail into, like, the, the windows and the doors, trying to cover every entrance and exit. And the the sound sort of slowly drives Fang crazy because it's also yeah. punctuated by her dad, like swearing when he hits his thumb or like like whenever he walks past her he's clearly holding back tears or has been crying and doesn't want her to see that so she eventually just gets up and like goes into her room oh yeah i don't think he tries to stop you even a little bit he's already like boarded up the window in there i think the window has already been boarded up from the last time she snuck out (laughs) like it, it yeah they've they've like put bars over the window or something because they're so sick of her sneaking out through the window yeah Uh, so thank goes into her room and like closes the door behind her and looks down into her hand and realizes she just picked up the axe without thinking about it and as she looks in the mirror and sort of sees herself standing there and her like her eyeliner is all streaked and like all of her makeup streaks she's been crying so much and she looks all like flushed and her skin's kind of patchy and like her hair is a mess because she's been running her hand through it and she's been sweating She just sees herself and gets mad. Like, she sees how helpless she looks and just hates that. And this, this, I don't want to use the word rage, but like this rage wells up inside her. And as she's looking in the mirror, she can kind of see like the wisps of her ancestors floating around her. And in that moment, she decides she can't just sit here anymore. So she pulls up the loose floorboard that she uses to sneak out now, because it just, like, goes under the house and, like, takes one last look at the door into the living room and, like, considers telling her dad or something, but decides against it. Uh, And she slips out under the house and sneaks outside. Like, you live close to the woods, because that's, you know, where you get most of of the hunting's done and everything. Mm -hmm. And you can hear that there's things happening. And whether whether it's the ancestors whispering to you or just your own gut instinct, there's that knowledge of your mom is not waiting for stragglers. She's <laughs> going to the heart of things. Yeah, uh, Fang's going to run into the woods after her. You sprint through the woods, and at this point, your memory of the night starts getting fragmented and hazy, though some points of it are clear as day. You remember the branches and the twigs tearing at your body like claws, and a little afterwards remember a choking fog that's as thick as milk. You remember seeing your mom and losing her. And like every time that you run towards her, you feel that she is running away. It's the memory keeps jumping around. You remember the last time that you see her is just a blurred shape in the heavy fog and three larger shapes bearing down on her. You remember a flash of red and a tearing and snarling and ripping sound that blankets the noise that you've dreamed about every night since. You hear the pain screams of your mother as she falls, followed by the overwhelming silence. The last memory that you have of that day is a choking feeling that burns through your lungs and a sharp pain in your arm that faded with your consciousness. And as the memory fades, you are back in Barovia, hurtling after a werewolf. 
you chase this werewolf and find yourself in the clearing. The werewolf you followed starts snickering to itself as it stalks to the side, going to the edge, and joining six other werewolves that prowl there. At the very center stands a scarred, muscled werewolf that keeps a low growl at the back of her throat as she speaks. You shouldn't have come here, little ones. We were content to leave you alone, but you've insisted on coming to our home. You run, or you die. Fang throws her shield down at her feet and, like, grips her axe. We can kind of see now that it's the same axe she had in the woods, but it's, like, all silvery now and it's been cleaned up a bit and just, like, takes a few deep breaths because she's, like, breathing through her rage trying to hold off on it. She just says through, like, clenched teeth, like, You took everything from me. I'm gonna enjoy this. All of the werewolves around start growling and advancing as this one in the center takes the first menacing step towards you before a voice calls out, going, wait, running and breaking into the clearing and halting with panting breaths. Time stills and silence lies thicker than the fog as a new figure, a scarred halfling woman, stands in the clearing. Fang! Mom... (laughs) 